I wanna read a, uh, a piece of scripture to you and, and then we're gonna roll out from there. And this is gonna add some weight to the room um, in just a moment and then I'll deal with the explanation in just a few, in just a few moments. But Judges chapter 16, you're, you're not gonna see it on the screen because this is a switch in my message. Um, after the first service, I kinda switched things up. But uh, I wanna read this piece of scripture to you. It's found in Judges chapter 16, uh, verse 18, starting in verse 18. Y'all ready for the message today? All right, hopefully you've got your Bibles and your notebooks out. And it says this, when Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought her the silver with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off his seven braids on his head. In this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. And then here's probably one of the most haunting sentences that you will hear in the Bible. Listen to what it says. It says this, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that the Lord had left him. I wanna speak to you from this subject today if you're writing notes as we continue on this little many relationships that we're, series that we're doing underneath the big banner of you are here. This is, the, this is the subject matter I wanna deal with today. I wanna speak to you from this message right here, the danger with Delilah. The danger with Delilah. Would you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you it's alive and it's active and it's powerful and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, we uh, just collectively come to your word today and we ask you to move deep within our hearts, deep within our minds, deep within our souls. So we give you this space to work with us today. And uh, not just work with us, but God, we, just, we lift our hands up right now and we say, would you just completely redo who we are? God, I ask that you would just like renovate our heart, renovate our mind right now, God. And where we have stuff that might potentially block us from hearing truth today, God, I pray that it would just be removed right now in Jesus' name so that we would find the freedom that the truth of your word brings us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. And everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. All right, here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna get up in your business today. And I've tried to work really hard to offend everybody in every service. And uh, so you're gonna get the collection of all offenses um, today. And uh, we're gonna round out the day. But I wanna ask you this question um, right out the gate. It's a, very, it's a very serious question. Have you ever found yourself eating something that you know you should not be eating? Yeah. Come on. Some of you are like, that's not very serious. Okay, let me put it this way. Have you ever found yourself eating something that you know uh, because you're eating it, you'll be judged in heaven for it? Like, <laughs> okay, have you, ever, have you ever eaten something that you know is just destructive for you to be eating? Okay, so show of hands. How many of you have been there before? Okay, okay, great. So almost all of us in here. I ask this question because I play a game occasionally called Guilty Pleasures, and uh, guilty pleasures is about identifying the foods in your life that you know, like you wouldn't really want to have anybody find out that you eat them um, on occasion. I I'm talking like AM, PM nacho cheese, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, hot dogs from Maverick that have been sitting for nine and a half weeks, right? 
we've all done it. Let's just be, it's a table of truth right now. Um, we have a lot of things. I don't know if you're like my house, especially me, but um, I don't like cookies that much. Um, in general, even fresh baked cookies is not my jam. But if you put chewy Chips Ahoy in front of me, I will eat a whole four sleeves. You know what I'm talking about? Every, every, is anybody else with me? Okay. They, um, there's nothing real in them, uh, just so that we are all aware. And it's a fake cookie. Um, and I know that, but there's just something about them. Grandma's cookies are the same way. Like, I, I will eat myself through AMPM on grandma's cookies. But um, I don't know if you guys remember this in 2013, 2014. I, I call it the great hostess famine. Um, it was... <laughs> Do you remember when Hostess announced that they were closing? Do you guys remember this? And the internet lost its mind. People lost their mind. The parish household lost our minds. And so when we heard, we saw, we were literally downstairs watching a movie and somebody was on Twitter and went, Hostess is closing? And in unison, our family stood up, threw on coats, and we took off just raging across Salt Lake City trying to find all of the ho- like we walked into we walked into different like the uh, g- gas places and Maverick were like do you have Twinkies right and they're and they're like no like 400 people came before you like people were losing their minds over and uh, like let's just be honest it's a guilty but everybody loves a Twinkie every now and then like let's just be and I know some of you are super health conscious and you're like keto and you're like vegan and things like that but um Okay, there's one more. You know the Hostess pies? You know what I'm talking about? The cherry ones and the lemon ones. All across these services, I found something in common with all of us, okay? We've all eaten these things. And so during this great Hostess famine, um, (laughs) I bought as many of those pies as possible. And I decided in that moment that I was gonna actually look, because I've never done this before, because I didn't wanna wanna shame myself and... (laughs) put undue guilt on my heart um, by looking in previous moments. But this time I decided, I'm like, I need to know what's in these pies. And uh, that, was a, that was a mistake. Um, and here's why. So I flipped it over and I went, there's 520 calories in this one pie. And I was like, what? But I can overcome that. I can persevere. <laughs> I'm up to a challenge. And then I looked through the ingredients and I realized there is not one real thing in here. Literally, that thing is produced of nuclear goo. That's, that's what it is, and they just pie. And that's, that's what it is. And then they inject lemon goo into it, or cherry goo into it, or apple goo into it. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? But oh, they're so good. So good. And there will be a church in 400 years talking about the same pies, because that's how long they last, okay? That, that's the amount of preservatives in, the, in, that, in that pie. And I talk, I talk to you about um, destructive foods for this purpose. And come to realize, we willingly engage in eating them, don't we? Yeah. Like I knew, 520 calories, nuclear fallout. <laughs> I'm still gonna eat it. And there's, and there's something weird in our humanity that does these things even though we know. Like I should not be, I shouldn't be doing this. Right? And I've come to realize it's the same thing with our relationships. We'll, we'll, we'll willingly engage, not just in destructive foods, but in destructive relationships. 
And not only will we willingly engage with them, but what's even more insane about our humanity is that we will give them power, we will give them authority, we will give them influence, we will give them the right to say whatever they want to say. Oh, now it gets quiet in church. <laughs> like I said, I'm a, I'm a metal with our, with our lives today. And we do it understanding that we're doing it. We do it understanding that we are engaging in this way. Today I wanna do with the issue of destructive relationships because we all have them. We've all stayed a part of them. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Erica did a brilliant job at, at conveying to us that we have permission to reassess our relationships, right? Come on, like, like what a beautiful message. And I know for some of us that was like, that was a struggle bus message because we we're like, I didn't know we could do that as Christians, right? Because we've lumped everything in with like, just love everybody. I'm gonna blow that one up in a few minutes, okay? But what we've done is in just loving everybody, have you ever noticed that we've allowed the people into our life that don't love us? That actually engage in creating a destructive relationship. And here's what I've understand. Well, here's what I've come to understand. Uh, two things are happening in our lives. One, we have destructive relationships. Or two, we are the person that's creating a destructive relationship. So this is not one of those messages where you get to nudge the person next to you. Right? Have you ever done that before? Oh, I wish so-and-so heard this message. <laughs> Everybody just look forward. <laughs> and so that's what I want to deal with today is this idea of destructive relationships because we have them. And I just read a portion of scripture, which is really the backside of a story that involves two characters, Samson and Delilah. And what I just read in chapter 16, verses 18 through to 19 is the, the, the final moments of the culmination, if you will, of this destructive relationship. And so what I wanna do over the next few minutes is I wanna rewind and I wanna take us to the beginning of the journey, not all the way. Uh, Samson's got issues, okay? Just so, so y'all know, and I wanna encourage you, go read chapters. His, his autobiography spans from, verse, from chapter 13, verse one, all the way to chapter 16 and verse 31. So there's a lot of storyline in there. And it starts out pretty rocky if you read it, like one of the first, like in just the first little while, and it says, and Samson grabbed a prostitute. Like that was the beginning of his journey. And it just goes downhill from there, okay? Uh, here, here's what I love. Is anybody thankful that we didn't just put perfect people in the Bible? So humanity is on full display within, within this guy's life. And it just, it, it's downhill from there. Uh, to be really honest with you, if I wanted to illustrate Samson's story, uh, it would be, it'd be a Jerry Springer show. We'd invite people up here, seats would be thrown, people would be attacking and jumping over me, and it, it'd be nuts. That is Samson's life. Now, I wrote this about Samson uh, because when I read his story, when I look at him, Samson is a deeply conflicted person. One moment he's set apart by God, called by God. The next, he's led by the wind of his desires and justified by his overconfidence and arrogance. Samson was a man who was birthed to his parents on behalf of the voice of God who said, hey, this is, this is what I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you this gift. And he was set apart and he had, a, he had a special purpose and a special call. Come on, somebody. God had placed his finger on his hand on him and, and was, uh, he was to be raised in such a way that he would have impact on the world around him, but something would go sideways. You ever been there before? You ever lived in the great hope that God had for you, the purpose that he had for you, and then at, this, at the same time realize the duality in our lives is that while I'm trying to live for everything that God has for me, there's this other side of me that tends to keep on uh, making me find myself in places that are destructive and broken. 
Or is that just me? Come on, is anybody in church today? So we all have these destructive relationships and I just I felt it necessary today in, the, in, in this little mini-series to really deal with them. Because I've come to find out, honestly, if you, were to, if you were to poll Erica and I and our pastoral team and many others who serve uh, in a way and get involved with people's lives, one of the greatest reasons that we have a tendency to sit with people in the middle of this destructed mess is not because the devil got involved with them. Let me say that one more time. It's not because the devil got involved with them. It's because of relationship. It's because of a relationship. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people's lives just lit on fire because of a relationship. Now I'm gonna give you some, a, a quick qualifier. I am not going to hold back today, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very straightforward in some of this. It's, my heart is not to offend, but my heart is to be clear. So I'm not gonna like get around, like try to say things in a nice way to get around something. I'm just gonna go straight for it today. And you've gotta, like, you gotta work through that. Is that all right? Can we all come to the table of truth today? All right. So I wanna give us five observations that I've, I've come to, to see take place in our lives when we're in the midst of destruction, destructive relationships. And more importantly, it's, it's highlighted for us in the life of Samson. So need your help today. Come on, reach out number one. Here's the first observation I wanna make about his life and then we'll read some scripture is that it's this. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to diminish our worth. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to diminish our worth. Judges chapter 16, verses four to six says this. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now that doesn't mean much to us because like, well, that's just a location of where this lady was at. And here's the truth. This is really important for us because it's this location that tells us that Delilah was a Philistine and that because she was that, Samson had no business being with her. Samson had no business of being in this place, but it progresses. And the lords of the Philistines came to hear her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength is at. So if you don't know the story of Samson, Samson had great strength on behalf of God. We're gonna talk about this Nazarite vow issue in just a minute and things that he needed to abstain from in order to keep this power from, from God. And by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. So we already have the makings of a destructive relationship. It's the beginnings of it, starting to take shape. And it's in this moment that Samson begins to diminish his overall worth and value because he's already engaging in this relationship that he knows he shouldn't be in. See, the problem isn't that, that Samson desired relationship. The problem was who he entered into that relationship with. This moment in Samson's life would be best summarized in the words of a group of theologians known as Belle Biv DeVoe. When they said that girl is poison. Poison, p-p-poison. That girl is poison. What a song. And if you don't know who Bell Bib DeVoe is, I pray for your salvation. Um, <laughs> Samson had a history of choosing bad relationships, relationships that did not represent or uphold the standards, the identity, and the heritage of his people. Because of the location that Samson meets Delilah in, it's safe to conclude that she was a Philistine. Samson was an Israelite. 
he and his people were constantly at odds and at war with this group of people. What we see from Samson is a total lack of consideration and care for who he is and who his people were. There was a value issue that dated back much further than his relationship with Delilah, but we start to see it engage in every single one of his relationships. It's a pattern in Samson's life. How many of you realize that in all of our lives we all have patterns? Right? We often say this in relationship talks, and you'll probably hear it at another moment in this, uh, in this little mini-series. When, when we're talking about how we engage in relationships and the type of relationships, and if I can help, especially the singles today, always look for patterns. Never look for potential. Because if you're not careful, you will make a decision based upon potential and ignore all the patterns. Patterns tell us what is historical in somebody's life. Come on, am I helping anybody out today? Right? So Samson had a pattern. He had a pattern that seemed, that would help us understand that he had an overall value assessment of himself that was actually rather low. Samson's lack of personal value determined his lack of relational value. When we see ourselves lowly, we will choose lowly relationships. Now, some of you right now in this moment are gonna struggle. There's gonna be a grind. There's gonna be an internal dissonance that happened right now because we're calling relationships as such. Because somehow we've bought into the lie that as Christ followers, we are now required to throw ourselves headlong into relationships that destroy us, and that's simply not true. If you read across scripture, there were so many moments where even Jesus himself would be like, listen, I can't have any part of this. He told Judas, go do what you need to do. Remember what he said to the rich young ruler? And he let him go. There were many moments that he said wild and out stuff and bunches of disciples left him. So we are not required, if I can help somebody out today, we are not required to stay in destructive relationships. Asterisks. <laughs> there is grand nuance when it comes to marriage and how we deal with that. So I wanna be very clear as, as I make that statement, okay? That's a different process. So for many of us who are not married yet, we're dating right now, we're, we're kind of, we're having friendships and so on, like we, we, we are assessing all the, the complexity of our relationships. Like just be very careful. I'm giving you very strong designations in this, but I need you to exercise maturity and work through that. Y'all here in my heart today, okay? <laughs> Somebody's gonna be like, my pastor said. <laughs> But I will say, if you are dating somebody right now and all of a sudden you're identifying some things in today, oh baby, run, just, just jump. Right after service, just text them, deuces, I'm out. So it's fine. Samson cared little of his worth. And so therefore he allowed people into his life who did not care as well. See, when we have a lower diminished view of our worth and we allow relationships into our lives that support that value assessment in our life. If I have a low view of myself, then guess what? I will bring, if I'm not careful, I will bring others into my life who actually don't see me very highly. It's destructive patterns. I don't know about you, but um, I have a few things in my life that I would consider nice or expensive or of high value. And I don't know if you're like me, let's just be honest, there's nothing wrong with those things. but. Let's just assess this very truthfully. How many of you, like me, are very cautious as to who you allow to handle those things and touch those things, right? Some of you park your vehicle over by hot dog on a stick because, <laughs> right? 
You walk 13 miles to get to church because I want to park away from everybody else. Why? Because you have a high value assessment of that thing. Let's put it this way. I was talking with one of the guys in our church after the second service, and I'm going to rip this illustration off from him because it was great. So Joe Dennis, thank you. I want to make sure to give honor where honor is due. But he's like, yeah, I, I was, you talk about that whole vehicle assessment. He's like, you know what's wild is that we don't, we, like we have these spaces even in our homes that have boundaries, right? If some random stranger came into your home, you don't invite him into your bedroom, right? Hey, come check out my drawers. I told you, we're just gonna go straight at the analogies today, right? Like if you, if, if I don't know, if Eric and I don't know you and you were to come over to our house, you're like, hey, can I, have, I wanna have dinner with the pastors, right? Like if you walked into my house and you're like, oh man, it's so good to be having dinner with you guys, but like, strange question. Do you mind if I go just lay in your bed for a minute? I just wanna let you know what's gonna happen next. I will lovingly escort you out of my home. <laughs> right, that's weird. Why? Because there's, there's value assessed. Sorry, I just made myself laugh. I saw that picture. <laughs> there's, a, there's a value assessment that's going on in our lives. I find it fascinating that we as humans will value material items more than we value ourselves. We'll build up boundaries and, and, and guardrails and protection. Like we'll shut doors. Like when you come in, and I'm gonna be honest with you, that's one of the reasons. If you're like a brand new person comes to my house, I don't know them. On my top floor is where my kitchen's at and my living room's at. That's the only place people are allowed in the bathroom. You can go in there too. But all the rest of the doors, we shut those doors. Why? Because I'm boundaries. But for some reason in, in our, like our, me, we, we allow destructive relationships to take place. We open everything. And there's, nothing's off limits. Come on in. Here's why. Our relationships are indicators of the perceived truths that we hold about ourselves. Let me say that one more time so we can grab a hold of it today. Our relationships are indicators of the perceived truths that we hold about ourselves. Destructive relationships in our lives are external supporters of internal structures. Let me put it this way. If you show me your friends, I will show you what you think about yourself. Wow. Now, once again, little just pause button. There are some of us who have highly assessed healthy value system of ourselves. So we have the ability to navigate relationships with more nuance. I'm not talking about those people today. So please don't like, if you are one, don't shut this message off because if, if we're not on our guard, we can quickly allow something in. Or have you ever noticed it's on our bad day that we allow the destructive relationship in? Am I talking to anybody in church today, right? It's on the bad day instead of calling that guy that goes to church with you. You call Zach, your old frat brother. Have you ever noticed that? It's wild. All right, you've been talking with Pastor Dave for months. And then for some reason on the bad day, you don't call Pastor Dave because Pastor Dave's gonna tell you truth. You call Zach. <laughs> for both court, whatever, whatever it is, right? <laughs> Guys, it's the third service. Like, <laughs> but isn't that what we do? 
And then it's like, what'd Zach say? No! What did Pastor Dave say? I didn't call him. Destructive relationships. <laughs> They're the ones that cause us to diminish our worth. Number two, here's the second one. Every shot, number two. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to minimize our calling. Judges chapter 16, verses seven through nine. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and like any other man. That's an important statement because of this vow that Samson had taken. It was called the Nazarite vow. All right, so carry on. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she bound him with them. Now, he had men, she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber, and she said to them, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire, so the secret of his strength was not known yet. So the Nazarite vow needs to be understood in this context to make it, like, to help us understand what's going on. So this is the Nazarite vow. Three, like, main things that we need to understand about it. One, that there had to be abstinence from wine and grape products, okay? Alcohol. Number two, there had to be abstinence from the touching of dead bodies, which all of us could be like, I'm, I'm good with that one, right? <laughs> and then the third one was abstinence or from the removal of cutting your hair. Now, all of these had to do with this, this special and unique design and call upon Samson's life. The word Nazarite is related to the Hebrew term Nazir, which has two meanings, vow and crown. So this, this Hebrew word for his, it was the crown of his vow. So when he had his hair, it was the crown of his, his vow. That's why it was not to be touched. It was not to be played with. It was not to be, to be messed with. So she said, I'm, I'm going to bind you with these, these cords. Well, many theologians and scholars believe that these cords were actually, once again, the beginning of the process, why it was a devaluing or a minimizing of his calling, because they were actually, instead of dried up, they were fresh. It had just come from a fresh, dead animal. Intestines. So he already started to diminish his worth. And this is really important for us because for many of us, if we're not careful, we're gonna enter into relationships that cause us to diminish our calling, minimize our calling, who God has called us to be. Now, calling is a really interesting word right now because for a lot of us, especially in, in Western society, we look at calling as like my vocation, right? It's been hijacked by, the, the statement's been hijacked a little bit. But calling is, is not necessarily about vocation. It's not necessarily about what you do in life. It's not about going on a missions trip, things like that. There's something a little bit more to it, and I wanna, make, I wanna simplify it for us. Here's what, I, here's what I see calling as you look at it through Scripture. Uh, the call of God on our life is about positioning. And more important, the call of God on your life is about who you are positioned underneath. In other words, the authority over your life. In other words, God. The question is, is am I residing, am I, am I living according to my call, which is underneath the authority of God in my life? And then do I make every decision, is everything that I, I'm doing in life, is it, is, it, is it filtered through what it is that God would have for me? Anybody hearing me today? That's what it means to be positioned or to be living out the call of God on my life, is to be living out my life in such a way that it is authored and ordered by the one who has authority over me. 
It is authored by the one who formed my life. This is why Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast, for you are his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Meaning that God has positioned you, he's called you to live out a life that brings glory and honor to his name. I'm gonna talk to the single and or dating people in the room today. Technically, if you're dating, you're still single, so you know. That's why you can text him after service when we're done. (laughs) This is a story about Joey Jr. and Cindy. I'm choosing names randomly, okay? And so, Joey Jr. doesn't know Cindy yet, but Cindy gave her life to Jesus seven weeks ago. You've watched how this goes. It happens all the time in church. And after she gave her life to Jesus, she was amped. She's on the front row, hanging out with Pastor Erica, hanging out with Pastor Sarah. And when the worship comes on, the minute Devon's like, start clapping your hands. And she's the first one in. Like, why? Because her life has been just uprooted by the, the glory and the goodness and the presence of God. She loves everything. She's in a table group, right? Everywhere she goes, she's got her well mug. Some people think it's weird, but it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? And she's reading her Bible like crazy, and she, like, she, she's asking questions, and she's like, headlong into it, and she's like, man, I wanna, I'm gonna change my life, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for Jesus, and everything's changed, and she's in love with Jesus. You ever seen this before? Think about maybe where you were at when you first, when you first said yeah, and every, you were just, you were amped on Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. Everything you saw was about Jesus. This is seven weeks. One afternoon at coffee, she bumps into Joey Jr. He was wearing a deep V-neck and tight jeans. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. You laugh all day. It helps. You laugh because you know. You're like, oh, I know Joey Jr. (laughs) So Joey says, hey, next time, you know, we're at coffee, you should come. We should hang out. We should be cool. So now she's smitten with Joey and Jesus. She's still in the front row. And she gets coffee with Joey. A couple weeks go by, another coffee with Joey. A couple weeks go by, another coffee with Joey. And Joey and Cindy show up to church together. And they sit on the front row right next to Pastor Howie. All right, Howie meets Joey Jr. Joey seems nice, different color V-neck. <laughs> but something interesting happens in, in Cindy in that moment where she used to have been clapping right out the gate, worshiping with her hands high, Joey Jr.'s on the front row, and all of a sudden, it's a different disposition. And where before the authority of God influenced her, there's just a little slide. Because somewhere inside of her, there's a little voice that's saying, you can trust God with everything but this. 
So another couple weeks goes by. Where's Cindy? I haven't seen Cindy forever. As Pastor Erica looks back and there she is, Joey Jr., Cindy, in the seventh row. <laughs> Not that the row's important, like it's just chairs. But you know that the seventh row isn't about the chairs, it's not about, it's about what's going on in here. A few more weeks go by, where's Cindy? I look, oh, there she is, she's right in the back corner. By the way, if that's your name back there, I'm not pointing to you, this story is fictional. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, another couple weeks goes by and I haven't seen Cindy around and Joey Jr. for a long time. Six months goes by. I'm illustrating this story on purpose. I'm dragging it out because I want you to see how this plays out. A year goes by and then Pastor Sarah gets a text from Cindy. Can we meet for coffee? She says, absolutely. So they go and get coffee and show up to the same place that she met Joey Jr. There's irony all over it. And she then divulges to Sarah that, man, everything through tears and a shaky voice, she talks about the destruction that just took place over the past year. She gave away things she didn't want to give away, physically, emotionally, mentally, the things that she participated in, all because a relationship was not instituted underneath the authority of the one who has the best for. And it was a slow slide. And here's what I've come to realize. I would rather take the long walk of character than the short walk of compromise and trust God with where he's taking me in my relationships. So if you need another name for point two, just call it Joey Jr. and Cindy, okay? <laughs> can I just remind you today that you are God's workmanship? Come on, can I just remind you today you are God's workmanship? Come on, can I just remind you today, you are God's workmanship. He labored over you, he planned you, you are not on accident, you're not some like cosmic thing that's with poof, and you happen, no, no. You are the intention of God, you are the, he labored over you, he planned you, he's presiding over your life, he loves you more, you are his creation, created beforehand to walk in his plan and his purpose. Do not allow someone to minimize your calling. That's great. Number three, everybody shout number three. three. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to trivialize our gifts. Not just minimize them, but trivialize them. Judges chapter 16. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read this story, at a certain point I stop and I'm like, what was up with Samson? <laughs> like this, this guy, like at a certain point you would go like, this girl's eh, nuts. Maybe we should part ways, but Samson didn't. Because of whatever was going on in him, he kept it going. Then Delilah said to Samson, behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. 
And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to the Philistines, said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, and the men lying in ambush were in the inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. One author put it like this, and I love how he wrote about Samson. He says, Samson's problem with his vow is not so much that he willfully violates it, it's that he simply doesn't take it seriously. Right. Now, I'm going to say this as clear as possible this afternoon in this third service. It is time that we take our faith journey seriously. Let me say that one more time. It is time that we take our faith journey seriously. I don't take myself serious all the time. I'm a, I'm a goof off most of the time, but it is time that we take our faith seriously right now because the world is taking what it is that the world is doing very seriously. And I just got to stand here as your pastor today and declare to you that it is time that we start reform. Like, what is, we got to put some steel rebar in here so that we can stand and do the life that God has called us to live. Here's what I've come to realize about destructive relationships and the trivializing of our gifts is that destructive relationships cause us to shrink to the size of somebody else's insecurity and brokenness. Or we can be the very people that cause someone else to trivialize their gift so that they shrink to the size of our insecurity and our brokenness. It goes both ways. say this to the married couples in here. We gotta be really careful, husbands and wives, spouses, that we don't inadvertently trivialize the gift that's in our spouse. Come on. We gotta, we gotta be very careful that we don't inadvertently trivialize the gift that's in our children as parents. In my house, our, we've talked about this multiple times, um, my, my kids, like they can do whatever they want. Not in my house, like that was a, I should qualify that statement. <laughs> when it comes to life, what it is that they step into. I don't, we don't have some like weird thing where it's like they have to become a pastor. Like I'm in my son, like in his ear at nighttime, be like, you have to be the senior pastor. One day. <laughs> if he wants to be an artist, if he wants to, y'all see what I'm talking about? Like, what I'm doing is I'm trying to support the gifts that are inside of him. But what I've noticed is if we're not careful, it's re it, because of my insecurities or because of my brokenness, I can trivialize the gifts that are in the relationships that are around me. And then we allow people to do it to us. We've gotta make sure that we continue to walk out the journey that God has us on to affirm what it is that he's put inside of us and created us to be. And that's why we've gotta do that to one another. We've gotta encourage one another. We gotta fan into flame the gift that's inside of us. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And so destructive relationships are, are relationships that cause you to trivialize this. If you're in a relationship right now that's causing you to feel bad because you're gifted a certain way, y'all see what I'm talking about? It'd be like me going home and, and Erica starts to just dismantle the gift that's inside of me, the preaching that I did, the leading that I do because she's insecure of it. Or when she throws this just massive party this weekend for all the ladies in the house and it's just amazing and people are being set free and I go home and I go, yeah, but we could have done it better. I could have done it, y'all see what I'm talking about? 
Now, the truth is, is that we can't. The guys are really lagging behind on this issue right now. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Is your sarcasm about your spouse really, really sarcasm? Or is it a thinly veiled truth? And you're trivializing the gift, knocking it down. So I said, I wanna get up in everybody's business today. My heart's not really to offend you. My heart's to expose what's going on on the inside of us. Number four, everybody shout number four. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to compromise our convictions. Judges chapter 16, verses 13 to 14 says this. Then Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and like every other man. So while he slept, this is why this is just a wild story, right? Like she is relentless right now with this issue. And you would think he'd get a clue. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web and she made them tight with the pin and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom and, and the web. And this might be one of the, the most telling aspects of destructive relationships because it is the progress that has taken place through all these observations when Samson finally gets to the place where compromise starts to happen. And this is how we know it's compromised because this is the first time that he gets, he allows her to get close to the very source of his power. This is the first time where she actually touches his hair. Now we're in really dangerous territory. Now we're in a place that like, oh, and I wonder if I read, but I just wonder though sometimes, like what was Samson thinking? Like, is there a moment in his mind when he wakes up and he realizes his hair just got braided that he goes like, Okay, we need to take a really hard stop and back up. Is there a moment in the story is gonna tell us, no, there's not a moment with Delilah. So something is significantly off in Samson to cause him to keep going back to this place. And there's a little compromise, a little compromise, a little compromise. I wanna say this to us today. Please write this down if you're taking notes. Compromise is the leading cause of death of Christians. Compromise is the leading cause of death for Christians. Just a little tiny thing. Oh man, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this in my office, just little, little compromises. Jason, but you don't, you don't understand. You don't understand, if I didn't show up to that strip club that night, I wouldn't be able to close the deal with these guys. And we need the money right now. We're behind on these things. It was just one time. No, Jason, but you don't understand. I just, it was just a shift in seats on the airplane because he, he talked to me and I haven't had communication in 15 years. No, no, you don't understand, Jason. It was just one party because I haven't seen those friends in a, in a while and I need somebody in my life. Little compromise. But you don't understand, it's just a weekend in Vegas for the girls to just blow some steam off. I'll get it back on track. Little compromise. It's just a late night at the office. 
No harm, no foul. Just need to get some extra work done. One day, we wake up four steps from our first compromise. And I realize that all of a sudden I'm making decisions that have no conviction whatsoever because I've compromised my way out of my conviction. How far is too far? It's the dumbest question we could ask. I know somebody once told us that there's no dumb questions. But if my son comes to me tomorrow and says, Dad, I wanna go run around on the freeway. How long is too long? I'd be like, son, that's a dumb question. Don't go play in the freeway. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? How, 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 how far is too far? You know that question is not authored from a heart that's trying to live after God. Usually that question is authored from somebody who's trying to see if they can find the loopholes to do as much as they want to do before it gets really difficult in life. Can I just, then, then, you write this down if you're taking notes, I haven't said this in any other service, but I'm just really trying to like go where, where I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me. Motive matters. Motive matters. The motive of your heart matters in this. And as we've made compromises in our life, the motive of our heart begins to change. That same businessman who went that one time is the same businessman who's sitting in my office trying to figure out how he's gonna do life without his wife and his kids anymore as they're filing for divorce. <laughs> Some of you might be sitting in this room right now going, Pastor Jason, you're, you're, you're just, you don't need to talk this way. Y yes, I do. <laughs> because, because not like not calling these things out are the very reasons that we're getting into those things. And we've just got it like, like I understand. There is no shame and there's no condemnation in this message, but rather I'm trying to expose some stuff because here's what I've realized. When the light of the gospel hits these areas, all of a sudden the enemy has to flee. My goodness, the enemy has to flee. And some of us have lived in the dark for way too long and we just need the gospel to put some light on it. And all of a sudden where the light of the gospel finds our hearts, all of a sudden the darkness flees, the enemy scatters and I can then find myself back again in the place I need to be, me and Jesus. I just wanna see you free. Number five, last one, in the name of that. Here's the fifth one. Destructive relationships are relationships that cause us to give away that which was bought with a price. Listen to the language of Judges chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? 
Now, what does that sound like right now? You've mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, listen to what it says next, his soul was vexed to death. And I've come to find out that many of us have given in to the compromise and we've given in to our, our, where our convictions, have, we've given in to what it is that we've given in, not because we necessarily wanted to, but because we were soul tired. We were vexed and the voice has just been relentless and we finally just gave in and we gave up. And can I remind you today that you are worth so much more to not give in to the voices of it all, but to rather keep on standing. This is who God has made me to be. I am a child of my father. I am a man of God. I am a daughter of the king, and I will stand. When you know how much you cost, you are way less likely to give it away. Come on. Come on, when you know how much you cost, you are less likely to give it away. But some of us don't know. You don't know. So if you don't get anything out of this message today, if I could shout as loud as I possibly can how much you are. You are some of the most expensive items in this world sitting in this room right now. No, 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 you gotta understand this. You are some of the most expensive pieces of real estate that the enemy is after right now because he knows what it took to buy you out of that. He knows what it took to buy you out of bondage. He knows what it took. It took the death of Jesus. It took his shed blood to buy you out of the darkness. Oh, you're expensive. So ladies, I hope you walk out of here today. And when Joey Jr. comes along, he's like, I'm expensive. And man, I hope you walk out of here today with your shoulders back and your chest out, realizing that you are a man of value. You are expensive. Some of you don't get it yet. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is not a scripture that you just see at monster truck rallies. This is the foundation of our faith. God so loved the world that he gave his life for your life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, but for Jesus. Everybody standing, come on. I wanna read this to you, because I want you to hear. Let's read it one more time. Listen to the words. Let's get to where we started. Judges 16, verse 18, after Samson shares his secret. When Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time. I feel like that's what's happening in the spirit realm sometimes. We've stepped out from underneath God's authority and we engaged in destructive relationships. So the enemy whispers, just come one more time. I got him now. 
Come one more time. I gotta tell you, we love you. It breaks our heart when I know that's what's happening sometimes. Just come one more time. He goes and he whispers to addiction, I got him. Just come one more time. It's been hanging around some of those people. Just come one more time. Oh, he got into another relationship. So the enemy whispers to lust. Just come one more time. You cut some corners and you climb the corporate ladder. Oh, so the enemy comes. Come on, mammon. It's money, resource of the world. Just come one more time. Four people liked your Instagram posts. So the enemy comes. Come on, pride. Just come one more time. We got him now. Finishing. Final blow. For he's told me the whole truth. And the Philistine leaders came to her and brought the silver with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids of his head. And in this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. And when he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I've done before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. There will come a moment when our relationships help us find the place where we can't shake it off again. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And my Bible tells me that we have been made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus today? Oh, come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus today? I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment as we dismiss in just a second. I wanna ask you a question. Have you said yes to Jesus? Funny thing is, is that many of us have said yes to a lot of different relationships in our life. I wonder if you've said yes to this one, because he's the one that's gonna define everything else for your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, we're gonna pray a prayer all together today. It's what we call the prayer of salvation, but there's nothing really fancy in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. So I'm gonna invite everybody just to say this prayer after me in unison as loud as we possibly can. Come on, would you just say this out loud after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment, that I will follow you all the days of my life. I am turning from my ways and I'm following your ways. In Jesus' mighty name.